0: Hello, I'm David Mosscrop. Welcome to Open to Debate. In February 2021, we took a deep breath and mixed things up by checking in with one of our favorite comedians as we celebrated our 40th episode. At the time, we'd been in the pandemic for a year. Now, we've been at it for over two years and we're approaching 70 episodes of this podcast. So what better time to check in with one of our best beloved guests? Now, last time we asked, how are you doing? It would be lazy to ask the same question, but this time we asked, how are you doing-er. My guest on this episode of Open to Debate is brittle star, Stuart Reynolds. Comedian, video maker extraordinaire, and according to his website, the internet's favorite dad. Still unproven. Well, let's start with bagels and getting old. I'm eating a bagel, I'm very sorry. I was going to start with trains, but we'll come back to trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were chatting ahead of time, and we decided it was just so good that we didn't want to deny people the, the opportunity to hear the comedic gold <laughs> that we were exchanging. So I want to open with, with getting old, because I was saying to you, I have now reached the point in my life where the things that happen to TV characters when they get old right. are mm-hmm. happening to me. And I realized that I'm, I'm now, I'm now old, it just happened. Yeah. And, and so, and so it's just a pleasure to have someone on here who's also old.
1: <laughs> I've been getting the most <laughs> backhanded introductions over the past like year. People have just started, you know, you've done quite a bit for an old man. You've done quite <laughs> Still going, are you? Still at it. <laughs> well, what I'm, what's what's really interesting to me about you saying that you know, you're relating yourself to being old to uh, like comparing yourself to TV characters. Which TV characters? Because I I I mean I know I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. But I don't consider myself. Uh, I don't sort of like compare myself to specifically to TV characters that often. Um, and maybe that's just my particular age slash generation. I sort of compare myself to my grandparents because they emigrated mm-hmm. from uh emigrated from the uk to canada when they were about i think my grandfather was probably about five years younger than i am now and they seemed ancient to be doing that kind of thing and that's how i compare myself now it's like well where would he have been now at this point oh, okay all right it also gives me a good sort of timeline of like well better get that done <laughs> better get oh this yes done. yeah you know like your will well, that's already done, which is oh. good. Which is a horrible thing to do. I know. It's, it's great, it's smart, but it's it's uh, it's something that you once you do it, you're like, you know what? I feel like I'd be more reckless now.
0: I can just take chances now. <laughs> now we get the paperwork done. Exactly. We just roll the dice. <laughs> I, well, no, because the pandemic. I mean, we we spoke in in February of twenty. 21, and the pandemic has been kind of timeless. And I just have mm. lost, uh, with, as it, as everyone has, complete sure. sense of time. It's just, uh, you, I, I don't know what month it is. I, I can't remember what, what year things happened. It was like, it was between 2020 and 2022. I couldn't tell you when, but it was somewhere in there. There are no markers that allow mm-hmm. us to conceptually distinguish these periods of time. So I, I, you know sometime during that period, I just kind of got old. And I was thinking about the episode of Community Mm-hmm. Where Jeff, which truly, truly one of the great shows of our time, where yeah. Jeff, you know, is like he's got high cholesterol and he has a meltdown over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because he's been like perfect with his body, and then the, yeah. like the nurse played by Patton Oswalt is like, as is a temple of doom. It's it's, it's a meat <laughs> sack. You know, he's like yeah, falling exactly. apart. It rots. Yeah, doesn't yeah. matter how healthy you are. Yeah. And I I've gone through that sort of like, oh like oh your cholesterol's a little high." And I am like, oh, what's cholesterol? Okay. So <laughs> I I just
1: Google that. This is this is this is maddening to me. This is angering and maddening to me because that I'm aging? N- me well, too. <laughs> exactly. I, I seem th- timeless, I know. But- I think it's exactly it. That's one of the issues. But the other issue is that you said you've decided that you're becoming old because you're you're meeting the same fates as and, and issues as many TV characters, and then pulled out Jeff Winger's character from community, who is the <laughs> uh, semi-established young hot lead. Whereas yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, to me, if you would say, hey, compare yourself to a TV character from from Community, I would go immediately to Pierce Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, well, yeah, I can see. I'm not there yet, but it's I can see it on the horizon, for sure. Absolutely. So it's maddening, and it's angering, and uh, I think it's going to take me a little while to get over that.
0: Want well, to talk about trains instead? <laughs> I think we've said everything that's ever needed to say about trains. In our mm-hmm. last. There goes yeah. my first question. It was going to be, how are we doing on trains? But the answer is no better. Okay. Let's
1: talk. I will. You know, I will tell you. I can tell you a train story. I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. The, I can tell you a strange story because I just recently got back from the UK and of course the UK I mean one of the things I realized in being in the UK specifically in London is that uh, you go wow there's just so much to see here but then you realize it's because it's all next to each other it's all like there's no there's no pause between things in in London England it's just like hey this happened here in 1066 and this happened over here in 13 like 10 feet over and like, just slightly avert your eyes to the right now and then you're gonna see something else amazing um, but the, the great thing about the UK, I think, is their rail service, despite the fact they've had mm-hmm. some, they've got some strike action currently. But uh, it made me long for better rail service, again, like here in Canada. I mean, I think we talked about this last time we spoke, but I mean, 1988, uh, the Mulroney government decided with VIA decided to like, you, know, you guys, uh, trains aren't making enough money. So the surefire way to make, uh, make that better is to do, run less trains and charge more. That should increase profits. And it just never worked, of course. And then it was like, you know, I can't use it as a reliable form of transport anymore.
0: And it's infuriating to me because it's just, we've got this Canadian attitude of, oh no, we can't do better than that. Sorry, best we can do is a lousy train service that that doesn't run enough and costs too much money. There's a little,
1: yeah, there's a little bit of that. I think it sort of stems, it's sort of similar to, I don't know exactly what that, that Canadian psyche, where that kicks in, but I mean, I think that, that Canadian psyche isn't just specific to one, you know, ethnicity or one background. It's not like it's just that. However, I do think the best analogy you can think of to that Canadian mindset is when uh, people from Britain came over to Canada, got to Newfoundland and the East Coast. and were like, huh, it's, it's rainy and pretty shit here. This will do. This'll do. <laughs> we're home. Should we go further? No. It might get better though. Yeah, but it might not. Stay here. <sighs> this is where we live now. <laughs> and that's no, that's no, uh, you know, uh, insult to the East Coast. I love the East Coast, but I mean, it's it's funny because they basically went, well, it's kind of rainy and crappy where we live. Let's go to the New World where it's also rainy and crappy, and uh, and that'll do. That'll be fine. That's listen. That's good enough for
0: us. But sufficient distance from the motherland. That you yeah. get away with shit that you just couldn't yeah. possibly get away with at home. <laughs> exactly.
1: But then also you realize that and you're like, but what are you going to do? And you're like, eh, I don't know. It's yeah. like a, you've, when you're a kid and you got the house to yourself, you're like, it's going to be crazy. And then you watch TV. And you're like, eh.
0: Only oh, their team was religious extremism.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what they often that's what people yeah. often say is that their
0: television was religious extremism. Yeah. Yeah. What are you watching? Theocracy. <laughs> <laughs> like, the- oh, it's a, uh, mm-hmm. the Americans. <laughs> if, you, if that was the case, you would
1: probably compare yourself to the young hot lead and be like, I'm getting old.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm like a young, I'm like a middle-aged JFK. Yeah. Don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Everything turned out fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry okay. about it. So we don't feel great about trains. I mean, I... I yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about it in the context of the pandemic where, you know, this episode is sort of like, we did last time we did, how are you doing this? is how sure. are you doing Err, Because it would be hackneyed to just repeat the same question. Uh, so, so we've, we've come up with something new and uh, the old one is no longer supported. Sorry, no right. more support for the old one. You have to upgrade to the new one. It's different. We promise. Uh, just throw the old one in the garbage. And, but, you know, the pandemic was meant to be this opportunity where we change things. Well, are we're going to do things differently. We've hit a critical juncture. Now the old ways don't hold. We're going to go the new ways. Mm-hmm. It's two and a half years into this. And I feel like that's not going to happen. <laughs> I feel like we decided that we're going to go back. Well, I mean, there's some things, yeah. you know, some remote work stuff yeah. and, you know, alcohol delivery, but like, we're going to remake the state. <laughs> we're going to make sure we care for people. Like, no, best we can do is booze delivery. Right, isn't that good enough like for you? We want a new welfare state, and we want better transportation, right. and walkable cities, and air filtration in buildings. And we want to care about people month to month, week to week, and yeah. wear masks when we're ill in public. Yeah, like AB. Now, best we can do is fascism and theocracy.
1: <laughs> That's it. I'm like, oh, I feels <laughs> the, like you went the, the other hits. way. Let's just bring out the hits again. Yeah. Um, what's interesting to me is that, I I mean, I, I feel that there's been so much forced opportunity throughout the pandemic that has made organizations and business and people in general do things and try things they never would have done otherwise, like just never would have entertained. So I think that that's good. And I mean, that's mostly good, I think. Uh, but it's also got that there's some bad elements to it as well, right? Like, I mean, having gone through a number of airports in the past month, um, it's like, where well, there's a lot of people who are baggage handlers who are like, you know what sucks baggage handling. I don't want to do this anymore. Because mm-hmm. I think that the idea that people were running out of time, right? Like people were like, looking at their lives going, wow, this is, there's a plague. It's happening globally. And I haven't died. I should probably make better use of my time. Now you should do more things that I want to do. So, I mean, I, I, I think that that's got obviously got a negative aspect to it, but at the same time, I get it. And it's really good that it happened. But I feel like I'm, 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 I was trying to think about how I how to describe myself. And I, I, I want to say like, I'm, there's a curmudgeonly optimism, curmudgeonly optimism. No, that's not the word curmudgeon esque optimism. There you go. Um, where uh, I, I'm not blindly optimistic. But I think that there's it's, it's, it's too easy to get dragged down into the notion of like, well, no, it's all going to be it's all crap. Now. I mean, there's a lot of crap don't get me wrong there's a lot of crap but i think there's also a tendency with shared social media and stuff where we're trying to find shared experiences and we had this horrible thing happen to us it happened globally as i often say like you know it happened in every country even the crazy ones and uh there, there's now we've kind of we're kind of gradually moving through the pandemic knockwood hopefully and um uh, i think we're kind of like you know it was you know it was good when we felt bad when when our worst fears were confirmed that was mm-hmm. the that was like let's share more stuff when it's like this is this is the end and it's interesting cuz at the tar- at the start of the pandemic i started off on a tangent here but um at the start of the pandemic i remember someone saying and i suffer from like i would say somewhat mild anxiety. So I will get like worked up over things and I have to like consciously be aware of it and try to get past it and all that kind of stuff and do the things I have to do. Um, But I remember someone joking at the beginning of the pandemic saying, you know, as someone with anxiety, it's not, it's not that bad because really it's kind of like, see, told you, things are horrible. We're all doomed. (laughs) And I think that's kind of addictive. And I think that we have to really work hard to get past it. And, 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 you know, and, 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 be optimistic in a sense. But I mean, it's also interesting, what I initially was going to start to say was that I also have found in the past couple of months, is that there is this notion that people have not not everybody by any stretch, but a lot of people and a lot of the population have been like the pandemic never happened. Let's just go straight back to the way that things were.
0: Mm-hmm. before.
1: And I think that that's not healthy. I think that's ridiculous. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when you were like, almost hit by a car on your bike and you're all rattled up and you're like, just get on your bike and keep going. It's like, well, we kind of have to do that, but you also have to take some time to be like, you know what? You're in shock right now. Mm-hmm. So let's just everyone take a breath and let's learn to maybe not cycle on that particular four lane highway anymore.
0: That type of thing. Or any road truly in this country, because we, <laughs> it's just so unsafe.
1: <laughs> Haven't you found like throughout one of the things I've noticed throughout the pandemic and, and coming through it is, um, first of all, that I consume way more media and you consume way more than I do, I think, but we consume way more news media than most people. And I think think that um, that that's that's both good and bad. But I've been shocked the amount of people who have lived kind of blissfully ignorant about what's happening. Like they'll sort of just float through and not really be aware of certain things. And I I mean, I get it because there's like a, there's like a, you know, tidal waves of information every day. And you really, from self-preservation, you kind of have to just like go, okay, I got to filter out 99.9% of this or I'm going to go insane. Um, But at the same time, it is shocking to me. It's kind of like, wow, I think I might be the only person that actually like read the news today. Like, I think people are just blissfully unaware of things happening. You know, like people saying recently, oh, it seems like that situation in Ukraine is getting pretty bad, eh? You're like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's pretty bad. But I don't know how to, I don't know how to tackle that though.
0: I think you don't. I think I I genuinely think that there's always going to be a a percentage of the population that just is going to be dialed out. And just in the way that there's always a percentage of the population that will believe pretty much anything. You know, when you do a poll and you're like, I can't believe 15% of people believe that Martians came down and that's where Marilyn Monroe comes from right you know or, and i'm like well yeah, that's pretty much who we are like 15 percent is a good day <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> and, and with the news i kind of feel the same way yeah. but what one of the things that gets me is that well they pick up little bits and pieces of things from facebook from okay it's facebook and yeah. and, and it's just absolutely absurd and they kind of tie it in with bits and pieces of the news and create this absurd worldview that you know uh, animates things like the quote-unquote freedom convoy, we're like, where does this come from? And then you realize, oh, it's because people aren't paying close attention to stuff because they're doing other stuff. They mm-hmm. want to have their preconceived notions uh, solidified and, and parroted back to them, makes them feel sure. good. We're like, we're not out here looking to learn and find truth. We're out here just looking to feel good about ourselves. We're like, oh, yeah. I see. That's why everything's such a mess.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's just it. And it's. I, I remember I posted um, something on Twitter about how... Uh, you know, there's so much noise out there, specifically on social media. And, uh, and there's this, you know, saying that basically, I should not like my content, my, you know, fluff that I put out there, it should not be in competition with, and conversely, they shouldn't be in competition with me, with the news proper news organization for clicks, like I should not be competing with the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, uh, even the National Post or anything, any sort of like actual sort of, you know, news organization proper, despite their leaning, they shouldn't be worried about competing for clicks with me. Like I'll see my videos getting, you know, 100,000 views and then they've got an actual important video <laughs> that's getting like 20,000 <laughs> views. And you're like, well, oh, that's not right. That shouldn't be it. And I kind of want them to be separated as such. And I remember there was one... uh And it it, it creates a a bit of internal conflict for me because I remember there was when I posted that there was a fella, uh, 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 Matt Gurney, I believe, yeah, who said, um, "Does as a social media content creator, does this, does this concern you, or something, or confuse you, or concern you inside?" And uh, I just was like, "Yeah, it it really does," because I don't. There's part of me that's like, you know, throughout the pandemic, for me, I saw an opportunity to use my platform to help messaging for public health. And I was like, great, I will do that. I will use my little soapbox and spotlight, and I will try to sort of, you know, soft sell what doing the right thing is. And, um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, you shouldn't uh, listen to me about, like the war on Ukraine, for, for example, or, you know, uh, you know, specific information related to monkeypox or something. It's like this. I'm not the guy for that. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I shouldn't be, you should be able to sort of go to Twitter and say, just give me the news feed. And that's all I want. I want people who will get in trouble if they do the wrong thing news-wise, or at least they'll, they're, they they're putting their necks in the line when they say something news-wise as opposed to, you know, some goon like me or goonier people who, comment things or quote things and you're like this isn't this isn't worth reading this is this is this is the whole martians created Marilyn monroe thing this is nonsense so i don't know how to combat it i don't know how to i don't know how to fix that
0: well you know it it reminds me of you know when we hear things like well you know 350 million people voted in american idol and only you know 200 Mm -hmm. million voted in the election It's like, yeah because the american idol is entertaining and the election's a huge bummer Right, like this is, this is, this is better. This yeah. is, the election thing is way worse. It's not yeah. enjoyable, and it's become uh, so utterly wretched, and it's it's tough to slog through, and it's deeply depressing. And so people want to find something else. The problem, though, is I think when what you're getting at is when people decide that they're just going to do. Both, and they had no idea what they're talking about. It was like, "I'm a news yeah. guy now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A, and, and then you get Bill Maher, you know, like, "Yes, yeah, yeah." Just yeah. Like, what is going on over there? Um, you know, and and so, but but and far 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 worse. People who just who are doing the edge, you know, edutainment thing, yeah. but just doing it remarkably poorly. They're not doing their due diligence. They don't have a, be- a good framework for for being critical and sharp. And you just get a bunch of trash, but people adopt these heuristics. They're like, well, that's my guy, and that's what I'm going to go with. And and so yeah. the mixing of it's not great. And I got to tell you, like, I grew up watching The Daily Show, and I loved The Daily Show sure. and like, yeah. in the same way that people watched The West Wing. But, like, on balance, as a model, maybe not the best. <laughs> well, that's
1: just it. But I think the difference, though, is, like, when The Daily Show specifically, like, especially, you know, obviously when Jon Stewart and stuff did it, is that uh, we still had these, like... I'm air quoting official news sources, like you had news sources that were uh, sticking their necks on the line whenever they mm-hmm. said something like they still might print something that's slanted weird or biased, or they could print something that's totally wrong. But at least there was some sort of process in which they had to be like, okay, we've got to be more accountable for what we're, we're saying. Um, and, they, and they might imply something, but they're not going to state outright an absolute, you know, lie without having some sort of comeuppance in a, in a sense, and I know, that's probably a little bit of a naive view of it. But that's kind of my view of, you know, journalism is, is that uh, there's a, if there's, if there's accountability, it changes how news is delivered. And I kind of, I kind of miss that I remember talking about this to my uh, youngest son, Gregor, who's 20. And I was saying, you know, there's, there's a part of me that kind of longs for like, when I was a kid, like you get the news, the news was on at six, and it was on at eleven, and that was it. That's what you got. But of course, then he made the point, which is good to, to hear. His generation's very aware, but he's like, yeah, but you're getting the, you're getting the news via this white middle aged filter. Yeah, and that was it. That's all you were getting. So there are people who were totally you know ignored, and there were stories that were ignored and skewed, and blah 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 for all lots of reasons. And he's totally right. He's absolutely right. But I I still sort of I want. I want place, I want the platforms like, you know, like Facebook, (laughs) uh, Instagram, Twitter, even TikTok and stuff to be like, okay, are you, there should be a different classification for a news uh, account. I want to know that it's a news account. I want to know that if they print print something or or post something egregiously wrong or, or, you know, whatever, I want a process in place that they can get in trouble for that. And I think that would... It also make me feel good about consuming news. I'd be like, okay, well, this is definitely an angle or a bias, but at least I'm getting essentially, you know, what actually happened. I just have to decide that they're biased or based on my own views or whatever, that type of thing. But I don't know if that'll happen. I really don't know if it'll happen because there's just like one big pool full of noise and everyone's trying to get attention and I hate it. But at the same time, daddy's got a mortgage. So daddy's going to do what daddy does. Yeah. (laughs) Are are you daddy? I think I'm daddy in that scenario, which is I'm why it got horrible near the end because I so it, <laughs> it really did. I sort of I unbuttoned one of the buttons on my shirt just to say it. Um, I hope yeah. it was the top one. <laughs> it was the bottom. It was just the bottom button just so uh, I could spread out a bit more sitting down here. Do
0: you know what the bad news? I mean, the, uh, it's funny. I don't think the, the news space and the information space is going to get any better anytime soon. And I don't really trust anybody to. Do better because I want a healthier, cleaner news environment. Sure. Um, my argument has long been we need more on the supply side. Uh, you know, Get more good stuff out there. Make sure you're funding good stuff. Part of yeah. the problem is that you know, being a journalist is extraordinarily tough for people, and especially yeah. people who are working for outlets and they are doing web and TV and radio oh, yeah. and print, whatever they have to do at all. They've got yeah. no resources. It's a miserable job. Everybody's sort of like, you know, just trying to get through the day. They have sure. very limited support. And then you get subpar stuff from people who are world-class people because just like I can't do all of this. I yeah. gotta live. And then the question is like, well, we need a cleaner information space, and it's like, well, who do you trust to adjudicate then? And then we look around and we're like, oh yeah. shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of these people. Like, do you trust the platforms? I'm like, uh. Do you trust the government? I'm like, uh. You know, yeah, some third-party organization, but then of course they're made up of people who have interests, and then you realize real quick that oh, I see the sort of like libertarian space of just anything goes as a mess, the heavily yeah. regulated space of okay, we're going to let these people decide is a mess, and we're caught in the middle of being like I'm just trying to eat my bagel. Yeah, exactly. You know, How is the bagel, by the way? It's uh, pretty good. I, I, you know, it's it's some people would call it unprofessional to eat your lunch while you're recording, and I would say that it's not lunch; it's late breakfast. Well, I, I was flattered. <laughs> it's how comfortable I am with you. It's like it's just a bagel with from Kettleman's. This is, on this is not a paid advertisement. I just love Kettleman's. I don't get anything from them. I don't want anything from them. I just don't think want anything bagels. from them.
1: That's such a lie. No, I don't. Why would you lie?
0: Because you feel I, like you'd be under the thumb of Big Bagel then. Big, yeah, under the <laughs> yeah, under the cream cheese-laden thumb of Big Bagel and. I just want to, you know, enjoy something that's disconnected for, to, from work. Right. You know, I just want yeah. yeah. uh, It's just a passion for bagels, uh, untainted by the dictates of the marketplace. Right, huh? right. Yeah, I understand that. But yeah. peanut butter, you're and, willing uh... to chill for peanut butter? No, I just have it on the bagel. Um, oh. oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> but that, that's that's my life. But I want to be actually speaking of <laughs> speaking of of, uh, of you know, I'm trying to think of a transition here that's not offensive. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I'm like uh, people should know that this is what the process looks like. Let's leave this in. I want people to know this is what it looks like two and a half years into the pandemic. I want to talk about your work.
1: <laughs> oh, fantastic. Why would that be offensive?
0: No, because I was going to be like, oh, speaking of getting money for doing things, and I couldn't oh, find yeah. the right yeah, uh, no, that's the right fun. thing.
1: No, I think that's not an offensive transition. I think that's one of the funny things about doing social media content for the past like nine years is that every now and then I'll get someone who says you're a shill, you're a sellout, and I'm like, what? For big bleach? I mean, what I do is I mean, I have done a
0: bleach commercial. before. I know, I watched it. Did you watch that the Clorox commercial? I, yeah. Well, thank you. It's um, the only bleach I drink. <laughs> don't don't drink bleach well, that's not don't, don't drink bleach movies kids, if you're listening. <laughs> kids <laughs> a lot of
1: kids listen to david's podcast and uh i just want to tell you don't drink bleach um but i uh you know you get occasionally people who would say you're a sellout and uh i always thought it was really really funny because i mean i remember the, one of the one of the more recent times someone said i was a sellout I, I often go to people's profiles when they say something. I rarely get into a dialogue because it's never worth it. It's never worth it. And uh, I went, but I often go to their profiles, just to kind of be like, is this like a legit account? Is this a real person? Like, why, why do they feel this way? Oh, like, like, I'm sort of using it as a bit, a bit of market research to see if, like, am I, am I the one who's wrong here? Um, and uh, I remember he, this person had given this, sort of called me a sellout for doing this uh, thing for uh, Vessi Shoes. Which I love Bessie shoes. And that was an endorsement. If they want to send me more free shoes, I'll take them. Um, and money. I need money and shoes. Both things together. But Mo- shoes stuff with shoes stuff. That'd be great. Yeah. Um and anyway, I went to his profile and uh, he was a drywaller. And I was thinking, I'm the sellout? Why aren't you doing drywall for art's sake? Why <laughs> don't you just go just go out there and drywall things and make the world better looking?
0: Do it for the love the game. Prick. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i just love the idea of getting really angry to drywall it it's really funny to me it's just because drywallers drywallers work hard drywallers work yeah. really hard and I, and they I, deserve to be paid and paid they well. absolutely deserve to be paid and so do you but, but why isn't he doing it just for the art of it just for the love of it just to make the world better i thought to myself and i was like you know everyone's got to get paid but I, I mean, I just find it really funny people say that about the, you know, it's like, I don't care. It's like, I, I make a joke about saying, you know, I've got to pay a mortgage. But the truth is, I do. I
0: feel the same way about when people like, oh, I'd love to read your piece, but it's behind a paywall. <laughs> I mean, my first thing is like, <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't need to know that. I know. I, I yeah. Thank you for letting me know that you would love to support me as long as it doesn't literally cost you anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's like, but just like I it's like I. I'm going to come. To, so where do you work? Oh you, oh, you work at Smitty's. OK, I'm going to come down and have a breakfast platter. Ah, sorry. It's oh, behind the God, menu I'd love wall. To come down and
1: enjoy this. But it uh, looks like you want money for it. Is that what you're saying? You want money for this? This food you're offering me?
0: That seems a little crass, don't you think? I was like, I, you know, and, and, it's, and I get it. news is, is a public good. And yeah. the thing I always say is like, look, I, and I know that some people can't afford it. Sure. And I was like, okay, that's good. So you can use that's, the library. The libraries have access. Yeah, totally. I highly it's recommend that. It's also a different situation entirely. Yeah. At, at the same time, when someone's like, oh, here, I found a, you know, an ungated copy or a pirated copy. Part of was like, all right, good for you. Good on yeah, you. You did the work. Yeah. Sure, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they're, like, yeah. they're like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't, there should be no barriers to me accessing your work. Yeah. You know, I, but I have mixed feelings, too. Because when, you know, when someone reads my book and they're like, oh, I picked this up at the library my is like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. You went, yeah. you went to the library, you read my book. That's, that's touching. So there's a, there's a little bit of tension there uh, because sure. I think libraries are great and I, I'm, ha- I'm honored to be in libraries. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like the, it's, I think it's the, the entitlement. Like I should get what you do for nothing just because it's public. I think, you know what it is? I think that the, I think that there's even through your harsh
1: gruff exterior, I think people can tell that, um, there's an enjoyment in what you do. Like you love what you do. You might not love the content of shit what you're posting. Creating. You mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. I do. God, this guy really loves shit posting. Don't do? I look, really look do. at this little guy go. I really do. Uh, um, but I mean, I think that people, anything that you do that seems enjoyable, people have a hard time putting value on that, like monetary value on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens to everyone in the arts. Like everyone knows who's ever played music knows there's tons of people be like, Oh, would you like to play this event we're doing? Oh, you want paid? Oh, well, listen. There's going to be a lot of great people there who might exposure. also yeah give yeah. you exposure. Who might also not pay you, Um, and uh, it's the same thing for doing. You know, for me, it's for doing social media like videos and stuff like that. That like people is people will often, and it's getting less and less. People are starting to understand more, but it certainly was for the longest time. People be like, well, the video is only like like even back in the Vine days, it's six point four seconds. but why, why should we pay for that? He's like, well, because I'm not going to do it otherwise. And I got to pay for food and it takes time to do this stuff. Yeah. And otherwise, do it yourself. Make your own video. I'm not stopping you. Um, But I think it's anything that seems sort of remotely enjoyable. People are like, well, you're enjoying it. Like our drywaller who did, let's go back to drywallers. Our drywaller who did our office, lovely man, lovely, lovely man, did a phenomenal job. He really enjoyed drywalling. Despite the fact that he enjoyed it so much, I felt compelled to pay him, Mm -hmm. you know, and may I don't know if that's because I'm thinking I wouldn't enjoy drywalling. Maybe the people who don't want to pay, who say to you, oh, I would like to read your article, but it's behind a paywall are thinking beyond that thought. The next layer down, they're thinking to themselves, I would love to be able to write an article like that, like that, but I can't. So I'm angry. So I want it for free.
0: Let me, let me, let me help him out there. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Or conversely, maybe they think it's that old thing of like looking at uh, uh, oh, I just lost, I just literally blanked on the name of the painter, uh, the crazy sort of abstract splatter paintings and Jackson uh, Pollock, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, looking at that going, well, I could do that, it's like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah you of did. course mm-hmm. you
1: could go for it, try it, do it, you know. That's not the point of what this is. I mean, there's an intrinsic value in these things, and there's like also this, you know there's a, in the arts, there's like a weird subjective X factor to these things too. So yeah, I mean, I think it's anything that seems marginally enjoyable in any manner, people are, are hesitant to pay for and that, And the internet just emphasized that to a thousand percent.
0: Well, let's talk about things that you enjoy and that get paid for. You went to the UK, as you mentioned. I did. I uh, You went to, I, as far as I understand, uh, traveled on vacation to a baggage carousel. Is that correct? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right it was a delightful all-inclusive and um no it wasn't really inclusive. we went Help to, the yourself U-
0: to any bag you'd like there's hundreds <laughs> there's of those here and no one to handle them
1: you know what's funny is that we arrived uh, we went over to the uk for some filming uh with uh rosie holt who's a political satirist in the uk and Kat Kavinge, who's uh, a comedian as well and uh both incredibly talented people and you'll see that stuff soon if not now um and uh, but what's interesting is we arrived over there at gatwick airport and we had to wait two hours we had nowhere to taxi into no no gate initially so we had to wait for a gate and then we got the gate and then we had to wait for our luggage about two hours before it arrived um and it was about 28 degrees roughly and no real air conditioning as such in gatwick in the baggage area that we were in and uh it was unpleasant it was highly unpleasant um, but everyone, like all the staff were doing their thing and just getting on with it, which is great. And then we came back to uh, Toronto and this is by no means saying there's no issues at Pearson international. Cause there are lots of issues at Pearson mm-hmm. international. Um, but we came back to Toronto and, uh, we were lucky to get a gate right away, which was great. We got off the plane and then we had to wait about, or, I'm going to say three and a half minutes before we were able to get to a kiosk for customs. And then uh, another three and a half minutes while we waited to get to the CBSA agent who said, welcome home, which always makes me go, thanks. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And then another probably 35, 40 minutes to get our bags in the carousel. And they had a broken bag belt as well. But there was like there was also bags in the car- in the baggage area. There was bags that were like lined up from a previous flight. Cause they had like one carousel had nine flights coming into it at the same time, which was just bad planning. Um, so they're pulling bags off and storing them as more stuff's coming in. They're trying to keep it going. And they had lots of staff, lots of baggage staff and and well instructed and, and they were just doing their thing, which was great. Um, but we were like, from the time we landed at the, and got to the gate, it was about an hour after that, that we were already on our way to the car. Like we were getting our, pick up our car in the parking garage. So it wasn't too bad. Um, but what's interesting is of course, we've had this like massive global event happen to us over the past two, three years. And then people are so desperate to forget it and sort of just think, well, aren't things normal again? It's like, well, look what just happened. Like you, first of all, it was a plague and you're not dead that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. And then uh, it's just interesting to me. And of course, and then how everyone just sort of turns blinders on. And, you know, everyone in the UK says it's Boris Johnson's fault, and everyone, which it might be. Everyone in Canada said it's Trudeau's fault, which it might be. But um, I mean, everyone says in the US, it says Biden's fault, which it might be. And it's like, you know what, it's happening everywhere, though. We're still in this sort of like massive global thing that we're doing. And uh, there's things we can do individually. But it's people are so desperate to just kind of forget that it even happened to just sort of think why are these things happening? It's so weird. You're wearing a mask. That's bizarre. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's people died. I don't know if you knew that or not, but people died.
0: It makes me wonder if the, in, in past pandemics, there was the same sense of, of urgency and entitlement, or if it's just like, there was some, I I, 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 this is probably something I could read up on. I just haven't been super inclined to read about pandemics for, for some yeah. reason.
1: Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, no, it's it's funny because I I have done a little bit of poking around to sort of see what the attitudes in the public were from the like 1918 for the Kansas flu, the Spanish flu, um, and because uh, it was discovered in Kansas, I just wanted to, everyone to know.
0: That. Oh, but everyone and, called it after someone else, right? That's, well, because it was the it was the World War One, yeah,
1: uh, and they didn't want it. To, they didn't want to spook people from going over to Europe, and they're like, uh, rather they we didn't want the Spaniards, didn't want them to be. Uh, to not get any blame. So they were like, yeah, it's it's the Spanish flu. It's not it's definitely not Kansas, that's for sure. Um, and uh anyway, I mean, I, I I read a little bit about that throughout the past couple of years, and uh it was interesting because a couple of things. One is yeah, you had dissenters, people are like, ah, it's not a big deal, whatever, who cares? Um, but then also you had the misfortune/slash benefit of very limited news sources so what they were saying was just largely believed uh for better or worse and then you had uh, not really that advanced medicine so there's a good chance a lot of people around you died if not mm-hmm. you um and i think that, that i remember thinking that at the beginning of the pandemic thinking man you know if i if, remember the pictures of the beginning of the pandemic of people like collapsing in the street stuff like that in mm-hmm. uh and you're like, oh, well, God, if that happens here, it'll be pretty easy to convince people to wear a mask. And then I remember the time saying, you know, a, a little bit of prevention, if it works, seems like overkill. And uh, that's exactly what's happened, I think. I think we kind of, we were lucky in, to be in the situation we were. In, and and uh, it just seemed, all seems like overkill now because it's like, well, I'm still here, mm-hmm. um, which is frustrating. But uh, yeah, I think the, the attitudes didn't haven't changed. I think people's attitudes are still, I think they're just kind of like, there's just more noise now. It's just harder to tell who's telling the truth.
0: I want to close out on on this. I mean, because the time flies, it flies by whenever we chat, which is very nice. It does. Um, and, and and you know, given that in the plague times when we're all reevaluating our lives, it's so nice when people choose to spend time in this space because they're like, you could be doing anything. You it's could be at the baggage carousel. I could you could be. be getting alcohol delivered. You could be drywalling. <laughs> so you could be things... waiting for the train. You could be yeah. doing anything. But yeah. and ditto listeners, you know, it's it's a privilege that you know that people choose to spend their time here. But is there anything you're thinking? Okay, post pandemic, this is how I'm going to live my life. This is what I'm going to do. Because I, I realize I've got a novel that I'm meant to be editing, and I've been meant to be editing for some time. Right. And I had this moment recently. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to go do that now. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Time. Tomorrow is promised to no one, as, yeah. as one of my favorite uh, nonfiction book characters says, and um, from a book called Pirate Hunters that I highly recommend. Uh, you know, wh- what's that going to look like for you?
1: I think exactly t- tomorrow is promised to no one. That's kind of the, my biggest takeaway from the past few years is how and i think that we haven't really processed how dark of a time it was yet i think that Mm -hmm. one of us just refused to process how dark it was because it really was a case of like i'm going to go to sobeys and that may kill me you know yeah um and i think that that was really really like when you think back on it you sort of go god that's really dark and really scary um and even though you know we joke around and say that, you know, we had to, uh, we just had to watch more Netflix and get booze delivered and all that kind of stuff. It's like, which we did, which we were lucky to be able to do. Um, But at the same time, there was this like real notion that tomorrow is not promised to anyone. It's, 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 you, you just don't know. So my biggest takeaway has been this idea that you should do things. You should do the things that you have a choice to not do um, because someday you won't have the choice to not do them, that'll be made for you. And that could be health, that could be time, that could be obligation, that could be whatever. So anything you want to do that you can currently say, I wanna do this, but I choose not to do it. That's probably the time to do it Um, because then you've got the luxury of choosing yes or no to do something. So that's kind of been my big takeaway. It's just being aware of that time aspect, being aware of the fact that it's like, okay, I'm able to do this So I should do this. A really short example is uh, we were at the Royal Albert Hall for a a concert. And it was uh, a concert by a band called ABC, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, I was like, you know what, we're going to push the boat out. And we might have to swim back to shore, but we're going to push the boat out for this. And we're going to get a box seat. We're going to get champagne in the box. We're going to listen to this orchestra, play with this band. It's going to be amazing. And it was like, we're doing this now because I can choose not to do it. I could have been like, you know what, I don't want to spend that money right now. And I'm not saying that everyone has that money by any stretch, but we are lucky enough to have access to that money to do it, and um, yeah, I don't regret it. Like, I, like there's zero regret because I think to myself, well, I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen in ten years from now. I got the stuff I can do now. I should probably do now.
0: And that's why I've taken all the special bottles of liquor that I was going to drink. And I was waiting to drink. Yeah. And I just drank them all at once. Uh, <laughs> at once. And I went and got some more and thought, well, can't wait.
1: <laughs> You'll appreciate this. We had Shannon, my wife's uncle, come down, who is 78. He came down for a night uh, for a visit. He's from Ottawa. And um, he is not really a big drinker, um, but he does occasionally buy bottles here and there. And he's been doing that for the past, like, 40 years, 40 to 50 years and um and just sort of keeping them that type of thing so he showed up with a bottle of uh of glenn marangi and he said i've had this bottle sitting in a shelf and i thought i'll just bring it down i was like cool so uh as i am wont to do i immediately opened the google app and did an image google search for that specific uh bottle glenn marangi and as we're just about to open it we realized it was worth 1200 bucks and it's like it's like oh okay. And there was a moment's pause where we all went, like myself, Shannon, and, and, and Uncle Ron went, uh, we should maybe keep it. And then there was like an almost like communal, immediate, uh, realization of going, well, for what, <laughs> what do we keep um, Uncle Ron's 78. Um, how many more times is he driving down to stay here? We should probably just open it. So that kind of played into this notion of like, what am I like? Why am I saving these experiences for tomorrow when I don't even know if I'm gonna get it tomorrow? I don't even Mm -hmm. know if if things are gonna get any better than this. If they do, maybe something even more fun will come along that we can enjoy. Um, And that's kind of been my my view now. So just drink the Glenmorangie.
0: That is such a good. That is such a good life motto, a model for the pandemic and and life after the pandemic. Just drink it. Just drink it. (laughs) <laughs> just and and also, when the when the cashier says, "You've got five dollars in points. Would you like to redeem them?" Don't say, yes. "I'll wait." No, just redeem it. Just do them. it. Just exactly. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You're waiting for kid? when it's ten, and then, Ex- they go, well now I'm gonna wait until it's twenty And it's never Keep ending Keep this
1: good feeling going. And then you die with a bunch of points. And yeah. who cares Don't and give the, the government points.
0: your point or your. Don't you
1: give don't the give government your points. Yeah, your the kids, you
0: your spoiled kids. <laughs> Don't give them your points. Use your points now. Exactly. I, I, that's my that is I think of all the weird kind of like bugbears and things that irritate me, it's when people are like, oh no, I'll wait.
1: <laughs> like it's but fungible.
0: It, just do it just do it. It's not getting better. In fact, in fact, because of inflation, it's gonna be less it's, powerful. It's, if exactly.
1: You wait. You'll be able to buy less with those points. Exactly. Just redeem your points. That's probably that's gonna be the big takeaway now. Just redeem your... points. It's going on a t-shirt. Just redeem your points. Redeem your points. Exactly. Exactly. Think about all the people who died with Club Z points.
0: Oh, no. Well, I we, uh, bring up Zellers at the end when we run out of time. That's well. we'll have to do a third because I want to talk about Zellers next time. <laughs> I feel like we've done a lot of good here today. feel we've helped a lot of people. I couldn't... I, you know... Uh, <laughs> People love these episodes because they're genuinely very good. And then later he had said to me, like, oh, what was it about? I'd be like... Uh, no idea. I can not tell you, but by God, we had a good time and people enjoy it. <laughs> that's
1: how I like to... That's how I appear entertaining is I bamboozle people with nonsense and chaos.
0: That's it. Uh, well, you know what? It seems to be working. Well, I'll keep it up. And uh, anyone who wants to, um, to have a, a taste of that that chaos for free can uh, can do so at BrittleStar or yeah. the website, I want to say BrittleStar.com. You got it. And they can do that 24-7 on the internet for free because for free. someone else is paying. Um, and in the That's meantime, right. you can redeem your points. So my first thank you, my deepest thank you is to you for joining me yet again for another um, sobering, grounding conversation. <laughs> That was just a lot of fun.
1: I don't know why, but I feel like when you and I talk, there's like a, there's like a, just a, a touch of Withnail and I. There's a little bit of that. There's just like a little bit of oh, sort of, you know? Yeah. What a we fantastic accidentally fantastic film. Yeah, we, it's like we accidentally ended up having a good time, is what it is.
0: <laughs> I deliberately set out to have the worst time. I was like, I'm just gonna take this bagel and peanut butter and...
1: This is gonna be crap. And then it just turns into a, just a lovely magical
0: moment. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. welcome everybody. <laughs> uh golly and that brings us to the formal end i also thanks to carolyn smith and to ross clark and daisha Jarrah, who make the show not just possible but far better than it would be without them uh, and thanks of course to the listeners who i beg of you don't wait for tomorrow as john chatterton says tomorrow is promised to no one go out right now and redeem your points and we will see you back here in two weeks